In the last episode, I talked about the research supporting the safety of baby lead weaning and more specifically how it does not appear to increase the risk for choking if appropriate precautions are taken. Nevertheless, the fear of choking is one of the biggest barriers that most parents have to starting solids and specifically starting finger foods or doing baby lead weaning. So if you are one of those parents, this episode is for you. In this episode, I will cover the difference between gagging and choking and what to do in the event that your baby gags or hopefully it never happens, but if they were to choke. I will give you a list of specific foods that you'll want to avoid, especially early on due to their higher choking risk. And as a cherry on top, I will give you my number one tip on how to stay calm and remain at ease when your baby is gagging. Hello and welcome to Thriving Foundations Podcast, where we talk all about nourishing your little one from their very first bite and beyond. If you're a holistic, crunchy, or health-conscious mama, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Alyssa, and like you, I'm blessed to be a mother, but I also happen to be a licensed pharmacist who's obsessed with all things natural and holistic. That's right. I'm a crunchy pharmacist, and I've made it my mission to help you optimize the health and development of your little one through protective nourishment so they can grow into their happiest, healthiest, strongest, and smartest self. So if you're hungry for more, let's dive in. All right, before we dive in, I just want to take a minute to say thank you so incredibly much for being a listener and for being here and supporting this podcast by listening to it. As of right now, this podcast is a one-woman show. I am working hard to find the time to record, edit, and post all within the small pockets of free time that I have all while working full-time and being a mom, which in and of itself is a full-time job, as I'm sure you can relate to. So all of that to say, I truly appreciate your support so much during this crazy season of life. It is what encourages me to continue showing up and sharing this message with you. I've had people reach out and ask how they can support this podcast. And honestly, the easiest way is simply sharing it with others. I recognize that this podcast won't be for everyone. Those who might not appreciate or value holistic health as much might not like this, and that's okay. They might not vibe with it, that's fine. But those of us who value holistic health need to stick together, especially during this time when unfortunately big tech is censoring and literally removing content that relates to holistic or alternative health. And while it makes me sad, it makes me realize how our voices and connections mean more now than ever before because we are the voice for our children. I don't know about you, but I don't want my children growing up believing that health comes only from medicine and pharmaceuticals. Health comes from food, self-care, and holistic care in general, and medicine and pharmaceuticals can definitely complement that, but they are not the root cause of health. So all of that to say, if this podcast resonates with you, I would be so grateful if you shared it with others, especially those who value and appreciate holistic health. If you're on Instagram, take a screenshot of the episode and post it in your stories and tag me and share with me what you learned or loved about the episode because I love connecting with you and seeing how this podcast is inspiring or changing your life and your little one's life. And if you feel so inclined to leave a review on iTunes, those always brighten my day too. 
All right, so let's dive in. Before we talk about the differences between choking and gagging, I want to first take a step back and answer what might seem like obvious questions. What puts an infant at risk for choking and is there a real risk for choking? So obviously the answer is yes. Infants are more vulnerable to choking in general, and this is because their airway is smaller, their oral motor skills are still developing, and the force generated by their tiny little coughs is less than that of an adult. However, the key takeaway is that although infants are at a greater risk for choking overall, they do have innate reflexes to help protect them because, well, our creator's design was perfect. So according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, an infant is developmentally able to suck and swallow and is equipped with involuntary reflexes such as the gag reflex, cough reflex, and glottic closure to help protect against aspiration during swallowing, which means inhaling food or choking on something while swallowing. So let's talk a little bit more about this gag reflex and how it differs from choking. So physiologically, when your child's gag reflex is triggered, it forces the back of their throat to actually close to prevent the swallow reflex, which happens as food reaches the back of the throat. And what's cool is this gag reflex is actually triggered further forward in the mouth in younger infants and moves back further with time. So it's that much more protective as our little ones are younger. And then as they age, this gay reflex starts to move back a little bit further uh, as they would start to get to the age where they're putting food in their mouth, for example. Now, when your little one gags, they likely will be noisy. It can be sometimes pretty loud. Usually they'll be coughing. Sometimes they might turn red in the face and they might even vomit a little bit. And that is normal. And with gagging, babies usually are not phased by it. They'll usually just go right back to eating. So it's this rhythmic reflex that is actually pushing the food or object forward and oftentimes out of the mouth. And your baby physically cannot override this reflex and swallow when this is occurring. So this is good. This is a safety mechanism that is protecting them from choking. And this is a natural part of learning how to eat. I found so much comfort in knowing that my son wasn't going to just swallow a piece of food whole because his gag reflex was going to help protect him from doing that. I think I I just had this feeling that if I give him a piece of food, he's going to just try and swallow it. (laughs) And so I found a lot of comfort in knowing and seeing him gag actually. So the key when your baby is gagging is to stay calm and do not intervene. This can be hard because it can be uncomfortable to watch. And as parents, we have that innate desire to protect our children and that will make us want to intervene. But remember, your baby's body is doing exactly what it needs to do. And as long as your baby is gagging, their throat is closed and that will prevent them from swallowing or prevent the food from going down their throat. As I mentioned, gagging usually doesn't phase baby but rushing towards them while they are gagging could startle them and actually make the situation worse. You also don't want to pat them on the back or attempt to reach in their mouth as this could push the food back even further, potentially past their gag reflex, and that could increase their risk for choking. In episode nine, I talked about how The research shows that babies who do baby-led weaning tend to gag more around the six-month mark when they're first starting, but by around eight months, they actually tend to gag less than those babies who do not do baby-led weaning, 
And this makes sense because with baby led weaning, babies are learning those oral motor skills and developing those skills sooner. But I think this is what often deters parents because it can be uncomfortable to watch. I think we naturally look at gagging as something negative, but I think that we can find a lot of confidence and peace if we change our perspective on gagging and instead expect it and look at it as our baby is learning and that with every gag, they are continuing to develop those oral motor skills, and eventually they will gag less and less. So when should you be concerned about gagging? You might want to consider consulting with your pediatrician or your trusted healthcare provider if your baby is still gagging a lot after a month or two of starting solids, if they're frequently becoming upset after gagging and crying or vomiting excessively and and or if they're vomiting at most meals. Those are circumstances in which you might want to just consult with your healthcare provider just to make sure everything is good and there's nothing that needs to be addressed. So gagging is this protective mechanism that protects your little one against choking, which occurs when something completely blocks the airway. With choking, usually it is silent, and that's just because if it's a true choke, the airway is completely blocked, and so your little one cannot make any noise. Sometimes they might make like a super high-pitched noise, but in, in either event, if your little one is not making any noise or they seem to be in visible distress or their lips are turning blue, this is when you would want to intervene right away. And just a little tip when your um, child is first starting to eat solid foods, it's a good idea to actually not strap them in the high chair, especially when they're, you know, six or seven months. Generally, they're not trying to climb out, so you don't have to worry about that. But if you were to need to pull them out immediately, uh, if you if they happen to choke, then you don't have to worry about fumbling with straps. So that's just a little tip. But uh, in the event that your little one were to choke for babies or even small children, if they are choking, you would want to invert them and do the alternating back blows and chest thrusts. And that is what you would learn in a CPR or infant first aid course. And this allows gravity to help work the object or food out. And then in the event that they were to lose consciousness, that's when you would start to do CPR. So I won't dive into that, but if you haven't already, definitely make sure that you know how to do that. It's so important to know what to do if your little one were to ever choke because their life truly, truly could depend on it. So I will link some resources in the show notes uh, that I think you'll find helpful related to this. All right, so overall, we talked about gagging, we talked about choking, the biggest difference is that gagging is good and choking is bad. Gagging helps protect against choking and it is incredibly important for your baby's safety. One of the most important things that you can do when your baby is gagging is to remain calm and trust their reflexes. I touched on this briefly, but my number one tip for staying calm when your baby is gagging is to remember that it is a protective mechanism and expect it. And look at it as your baby is learning and that with every gag, they are continuing to develop their oral motor skills and eventually they will gag less and less. Another factor in staying calm is simply understanding the difference between gagging and choking as this will give you the confidence to know when to intervene. Knowing these differences is essential if you plan to do baby led weaning and understanding which foods pose a higher risk for choking is critical even beyond the weaning phase. 
So let's talk about some of these foods. Obviously, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. These are just going to be some of the foods that you'll want to avoid, especially when starting baby lead weaning. So crackers and chips, obviously these are hard and crunchy. They're pointy for little ones who don't have teeth quite yet. These are going to be very difficult to eat. In the last episode, episode nine, I talked about the size, shape, and texture of foods that are the safest to feed with baby lead weaning. And so crackers and chips are not that. <laughs> and they can, pieces can chip off and they can be pointy and they're just not an easy food to eat. The next food is whole nuts. These are obviously going to be the perfect size to kind of fit in the airway. Um, and they're also hard and difficult to chew without teeth. Now you can definitely still feed nuts. You just want to make sure that you crush or grind them. And one great way to serve grinded up nuts would be to mix them in yogurt, for example. So the next food is spoonful of nut butters. Now you can feed nut butters, but again, you'd want to mix them with something, but you'd want to avoid giving spoonfuls of nut butters. And this is because they can form basically a bolus in the mouth. I don't know about you, but it's hard to eat a spoonful of peanut butter. I can't imagine giving that to a six month old and expecting them to be able to eat it. Um, they can form like a sticky kind of bolus in the mouth and they could even kind of seal off the airway if they were to get in the throat. So a spoonful of nut butters, no go, but you can certainly mix them in yogurt, for example. The next food, whole hot dogs. So according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, hot dogs are the food most commonly associated with fatal choking among children. So this is because they're cylindrical, they're airway size, and they can compress, uh, which can allow them to kind of wedge tightly into the child's airway or throat and completely occlude the airway. So you also want to make sure that you don't serve them in coin shapes either. So if you have the hot dog, you don't want to just cut them up into little coin shapes. You would want to cut those in half or even cut the hot dog into kind of longer strips, for example. So whole hot dogs, not safe. Cut up hot dogs, fine. <laughs> so the next food is popcorn, and this is because it's really light, so it's easier to kind of inhale, and then small pieces can break off, and it's just not an easy food to eat, especially for early eaters. Hard candies is the next food. I feel like that's kind of an obvious one. It's not ideal to give a six-month-old a Jolly Rancher, for example, uh, and not only is it not safe, but it's also terrible for their teeth to just be sucking on those sugars and letting that just sit in the mouth. The next food is raw veggies, obviously, because they are tougher and hard to chew. Uh, you can definitely feed raw veggies, so carrots or apples, for example, but you just want to make sure that you cook them down so that they are soft enough. Honey is another one. Now, honey should be avoided until the age of one, and this is because it carries with it the risk for infant botulism. Interesting, honey is actually the only food that carries this risk of infant botulism, and we just want to make sure that we don't give it until the age of one. After the age of one, honey is fine to give, though, in small amounts. Whole grapes and or grape tomatoes or cherry tomatoes are also foods that you would want to avoid giving you can obviously give these foods. You just want to make sure that you would cut them in half and then cut the halves in half. So I have a personal story about almost choking on a cherry tomato. I might edit this out because it's not my most proud moment and it's rather embarrassing, but it's funny. So when I was a freshman in high school, 
My brother was a senior and I remember sitting at the lunch table with him and all of his friends. And he, for some reason, he told me that it's a really cool feeling to swallow a cherry tomato um, and that you can like feel it go down your throat, whatever. And so high school pressure, I don't know, social pressure, just so dumb. And I was like, okay, so I went to swallow it and it just immediately like got stuck in my throat and I panicked and I I literally had this vision of lying on the floor. It did not happen, but I had this vision that I would be lying on the floor. Someone would be doing CPR and like the whole lunchroom, like hundreds of high school students would be watching me. And I was just like terrified of that happening. And so I was so quiet about it, which is funny because that's actually common. When people choke in public, they'll often go like at a restaurant, they'll often go into the bathroom because they're embarrassed. And that's obviously the last place you want to be because then you're alone. So I was just so scared. And I remember like pulling up my throat, Gatorade was coming out of my nose. And my brother was like, you know, swallow, swallow, swallow. And he's like, you're okay. You're okay. And I just, it was like this moment of panic. I was like, this is it. This is what does me in. So I was fine. Obviously I was able to swallow it. And I look back now and I'm just like, oh, what? That was so dumb. (laughs) One, why did my brother tell me or, you know, pressure me into doing that? And two, why did I think that was a good idea? But, you know, high school, I definitely do not miss high school. And I am (laughs) definitely not looking forward to my children being in high school. So anyways, that is my personal story about almost choking or choking on a cherry tomato. So cut your cherry tomatoes. Do not serve them whole. And tell your kids not to swallow cherry tomatoes in high school, even if all their friends are doing it. So the next type of food that you'd want to avoid are foods with tougher skins. So raw apples, for example, cucumbers. So these foods are fine to feed, but you just want to make sure that you cook them down and remove the skins because the skins are just difficult to eat, especially for early eaters. And the last food is dried fruit. So dried fruit, because most of the water has been removed, um, they tend to be tougher. And then also they tend to be sticky and hard for little ones to safely eat. So like I said, obviously this is not an exhaustive list of foods, uh, but these are just some of the highest risk foods that you would want to avoid, especially when your little one is first starting solids. So to close this episode, I will share with you a few tips for reducing your child's risk for choking. And in episode nine, I talked more about this. So be sure to check out that episode if you haven't yet, because there are some tips in there that might surprise you. So the first tip is do not introduce solids until your little one is showing all signs of readiness. In episode four, I covered what these signs of readiness are, as well as some false signs of readiness that are commonly mistaken to mean baby is ready to start solids. So to reduce risk for choking and to make sure that your little one is ready to safely start solid foods, especially baby led weaning, you'll want to make sure that they are showing all signs of readiness. The second tip is never leave baby alone while eating. This might seem like an obvious one, but it is easy to do, especially as they get a little bit older. But remember, if your little one were to choke, it oftentimes is silent and you would not hear it. So you want to make sure that you are always supervising them so that in the event that they were to choke, you could intervene right away. So I know it's easy to want to multitask 
especially us moms are always, there's always something else to do. But when your little one is eating, uh, be present, be there with them, help them. And also it's just more enjoyable for them. I'm so empathetic of our baby's feelings and (laughs) I wouldn't want to sit at the table and eat alone. So it's an enjoyable experience for them and be there, be there to support them and to make sure that they are safe. The third tip is make sure baby is in an upright position. Again, this might seem silly, but I bring it up because there are some car seats, strollers, and even high chairs that are almost in a reclined position. So you really want to make sure that your little one is upright. And this is just because this is the ideal position for facilitating a safe swallow. The next tip is removing distractions while eating. As adults, we are so good at multitasking. We could easily eat while driving, reading, working, whatever. But remember that eating solid foods is so new to your baby and it's actually a lot of work for them. And so we want them to stay focused on practicing these new skills safely without being distracted. So things like older siblings who are running around and causing a ruckus and playing or the TV being on. I know we often eat in front of the TV and we don't think anything about it, but TVs are so incredibly stimulating, especially for our young children. And so turning it off while they are eating will just make mealtime that much safer for them. It will give them the opportunity to really focus on the food that they're eating, be mindful of the food that they're eating, and it's just helping to establish healthy habits around mealtime too. So that's a bonus. The next tip is avoid putting finger foods in baby's mouth. So what I mean by this is basically let baby control what goes in and out of their mouth. And this is really because if you were to, you know, shove something in their mouth, and possibly shove it past their gag reflex, that could increase the risk for choking. This is also just respectful of baby and allowing them to control what goes in and out of their mouth, and it's helping to establish what I like to call a thriving eater. The next tip, make sure baby has a footrest. This might seem surprising, but this is important for helping to stabilize your baby and facilitate a safe swallow. And the last tip, I know I sound like a broken record, take a CPR course or educate yourself on what to do if your child were to choke and how to appropriately perform CPR. So like I said, I will link some helpful resources in the show notes for you related to this. So ultimately, you should feel comfortable when starting solids, and if your baby gagging just absolutely freaks you out, you can take it slow. I personally found that I was more comfortable with certain foods over others, and so I focused on serving those more initially. Now, by no means do I want this episode to pressure you into just sitting back and watching your baby gag if it makes you extremely uncomfortable or if you are just a hot mess, stressed out, (laughs) worried sick about them. My goal for this episode and this podcast as a whole is to simply serve as education and inspiration to help you make the best decision for your little one. So that wraps up this episode. I hope you walk away learning something and feeling a little bit more confident about starting solids. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I will link my email in the show notes. It is alyssa at thrivingfoundations.org or you can find me on Instagram at Thriving Foundations. I love hearing from you and I absolutely love when you share topics that you'd love to hear for future episodes. I want this podcast to serve you, so if there's something that you would love for me to cover, please let me know. You can either click my email in the show notes or send me a message directly on Instagram. 
So until next time, remember, it is so much easier to defend your child's health than it is to fight to get it back once lost. And mama, you have the power and the duty to do so through protective nourishment. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed this episode. For legal purposes, I just need to remind you that the information presented in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not meant to be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition or to replace the advice of a physician or medical practitioner. Please see your healthcare provider before starting any new health protocol. Some of the views and information shared in this podcast are not widely accepted by the medical community and may be considered complementary, functional, alternative, holistic, or integrative medicine and may not be endorsed by governmental institutions or align with governmental guidelines. You are encouraged to consult other sources to make independent judgments to determine what is best for your child.